It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Sam, how are you? Thanks for joining us as always. No problem, guys. Hanging in there. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing terrifically well. Um, uh, Want to ask you about the Jazz, how they're playing without Donovan Mitchell. I know this is a, a bit of an easier stretch from the, for them, but they just smashed the Rockets and the Rockets. Uh, getting good performances uh, from everybody, it seems. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they just keep doing their thing. I mean, at this point, you know, and to do it without Donovan is is good. I mean, it's never ideal to have a guy of that magnitude out, but kind of shows you, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably reaching here as a wannabe kind of sports psychologist, but, you know, all the role guys that, that might need a little boost of confidence going into the playoffs, you know, kind of shows you that this is not the kind of team that, that can't survive when, when you take one guy off the floor, so maybe that has some sort of big picture benefit. But you know, it's best record in the league. There's not much you can say other than that. I don't know what a game like that one last night <laughs> proved, Sam. Because I mean, the Rockets just there was no you knew they weren't going to win that game from before it started, and the Jazz were just cruising through them. Uh, maybe I don't know what that proves as far as the Jazz go, but I, individually, Joe Ingles, Sam. This guy got cut by the Clippers a few years ago, and now he's playing like uh, one of the most important players on a team with the best record in the NBA. I remember talking to to Joe uh, when he was in the Spanish League. He was upset because he wasn't getting enough minutes over there. And uh, now he's just, what was he, Jake, last night, 6 of 10 from 3? I mean, it's it's a thing of beauty to watch. It really is. It is. I I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, you know you have a good team when the media and specifically the national media, like simply like the, the list of guys who deserve some love is so long that like we just can't get to them. You know what I mean? I feel like we, we just started giving Rose O'Neill some love for, for the defense and what he does and what he means. And then we, we talk about Mike Conley and how he's been so much better than the early part of last year and Jordan Clarkson, uh, you know, Niang and, and obviously Rudy and Donovan and all those guys. But with Joe, every once in a while, man, I go back to look at those three-point splits and just shake your head going, my gosh. Like, I think he's still – is he above 50% still for the year? Just below. But just his, below. Effective, I mean, his effective field goal, Sam, is uh, 70%. Yeah. And it's uh, here's the, the thing I love about Joe's game, too. And it's, uh, it's – this is probably a stretch, but it reminds me, like, part of Steph Curry's relatability and popularity, I think, is that, like that feeling that even though you can't do what he does, when you watch him play, you feel like maybe you could. And Joe is like the regular guy who looks like he just wandered on to a black cop and is just looking for a game. And, you know, I've made this joke before probably on this guy's show, or on your guy's show, but I, I would love to, you know, remember that old TV show, Punk, when you, you set up a whole skit and uh, and try to trick people. I mean, I would love to wander out to a court with Joe Ingles in, in a neighborhood where they don't know who he is and, and take a bunch of people's money, you know, like white men can't jump style, because what he does is incredible, but it's so unassuming. So he's been great, and uh, they, they, again, obviously have a great thing going. 
Sam Amick is with us here on uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to ask you about the Suns, Sam, because they're playing this unbelievably hard east road swing, or road trip right now. They've won the first two games against Milwaukee and, and Philadelphia. Now they have to play Boston on the second night of a back-to-back without Jalen Brown. But, I mean, man, the, the, the Suns are really proven they're for real, or so it would seem. Yeah, no, they are. Um, and uh, I actually am excited because I got a piece coming out tomorrow that I – put together all week and kind of been working on it for a while, finally trying to, to dive into the Chris Paul story and talk to him uh, last Sunday, I think it was, and just had a really good trip down memory lane and, and kind of how he's been able to, to do this going from Houston to Oklahoma City to Phoenix. And, I mean, overall, I mean, that to me, that even though the Jazz's uptick and what they've done is incredibly impressive, I would probably say the Suns is, you had, you know, the surprise story of the season, it would be the Suns and it would be the Knicks. But Phoenix, you know, they're not just good. They're not just a playoff team. You know, they are right there with the Jazz, I think, a game and a half back as of today. So it's a fun, you know, team to watch. you got old and new. Devin Booker is an absolute stud. And, you know, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and Campaign and, and Aiden coming along. You know, Monty Williams, I think, with Quinn Snyder and, and Thibodeau, you know, that should be your top three for coach of the year. And uh, it, it's not – I mean, I didn't think they'd be this good by any means when they got Chris Paul. I knew they'd be better, but, you know, this is uh, something else. Sam, the Nuggets have won four in a row. Does that surprise you, given the loss of Jamal Murray? I mean, yes and no. The the part where I'm not shocked is that if you if you dissect the four wins – they are impressive for sure, but they're also, you know, what I would probably describe as, as kind of plucky, uh, you know, not lucky. Don't get that confused, but like they have gritted their way to this winning streak. There's been some double overtime periods. There's been, you know, times when it looked like they'd take the L, but I mean, they have the guy that I do think is the MVP as of now. And, you know, Jamal Murray as great as he is, you know, he is, he's a guy that, you know, defensively he matters, and I'm not trying to take that side of the floor away from him. But his scoring and his playmaking in that two-man game with Jokic is the thing that makes him so incredibly valuable. But in the regular season so far, like, offense has not been a problem for them. I mean, they're averaging like 130 a game since he went down. Now, you know, that's not going to be the case, even if they score in the playoffs. The problem is you get into these tight games, and, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you guys – you saw that, you know, incredibly entertaining series between Denver and Utah where, you know, the Donovan-Jamal matchup was everything. So, um, you know, I'm not shocked because, I mean, Aaron Gordon, I think, is a, is a big addition that all of a sudden goes from being an X-factor to being a core player and somebody who, with Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic, uh, you know, has got to, you know, carry a bigger load. So, um, I don't I don't know what to think. I mean, am I still putting them up there as a, as a – shortlist title contender? No, because I feel like if I did, then you're not showing Jamal Murray any respect. But in the same breath, you know, Jokic, I think, is going out and continuing to make a heck of a case that he should be the MVP because this is what you do as an MVP. When you lose a guy, you know, you find a way to to, to kind of rally the troops, so to speak, and and still uh, keep winning games. Sam, Steph Curry is is playing just incredibly well. I know he was he looked a little bit more human last night against the Wizards, but he's he's been on a run that has just been uh, remarkable. Um, 
Is, is, let me put it this way, is he enough that you would want to avoid the Golden State Warriors in the first round of the playoffs if you were the Jazz? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would. I mean, him by himself, no. Um, and, and again, I think the world is tough as a player, but it's not just him. It's it's Draymond um, and even Kevon Looney, who we forget is, you know, got some of that championship experience. And it's the fact that in a weird sort of counterintuitive way, you know, when they lost James Wiseman, you know, you, on paper that's a, that's a, a tough loss that is not going to make them better. But they were running a million pick and rolls with Steph, um, with Wiseman, because they were trying to simplify the offense. And now all of a sudden, Steph Curry is going back to that motion offense, off-ball magic that he has done for so long now, and it's a, a thing to watch. And that's what I'd be afraid of if I was going to face them in the playoffs, because Draymond is a master of creating open looks for Steph. They, they have had an entire season to teach the Kelly Oubre's and the Jordan Poole's and the Kent Bazemore's of the world, you know, Bazemore even being a veteran, like really teach them about this other style of offense. And also just kind of, you know, get that message through that we're not tanking this year. We're trying to fight and make as much noise as we can. So I think they they could be dangerous. I mean, I was pretty surprised they dropped that game last night. And and the part we didn't see coming was it really if Steph just hits a couple more shots. They win that game. His, his supporting cast played pretty well. But um, all in all, you're talking about an incredible run for a guy that is, as you guys know, coming into the year, like always, there is that kind of Steph Curry skepticism and people wonder, like, oh, geez, if he doesn't have Clay Thompson with him in the backcourt, is he going to get exposed? Is, is he going to have a, a brutal year where he just gets trapped all the time and, and can't make an impact? And obviously it hasn't been the case. Sam, I repeat the question about the meaning of these wins in the regular season. You mentioned the Wizards. They've won six in a row now. And you mentioned the Knicks. They've won eight in a row now. I mean, I guess I'm asking the same questions about them that some people ask about the Jazz and the Suns. Uh, is, it, is it real? What does it mean as far as how dangerous those teams might be in the postseason? I don't, I don't know what to make of the Wizards. I'm guilty of, you know, I, I just to be genuine, I, I just don't watch them all that often. I'll watch, you know, because Beal's incredible and, and Russ is Russ. But I don't watch them closely enough to have a real beat on it. But, you know, six wins, if you went two or three, okay, that could be a fluke six. You got something going. And, and the Knicks, who I have, you know, got to the point where they're kind of the, the league pass uh, alert team for me when you watch every night. I mean, that looks pretty real. Julius Randle's fantastic. You know, R.J. Barrett all the way down the line. Um, so I don't know what's, you know, how real it is. Uh, I texted our, our Wizards beat writer, Fred Katz, today, and I said, you getting ready for this Wizards championship run? And he says, well, he goes, only if they can get past the Knicks in the conference finals. You know, um, this is a weird little, you know, kind of parallel universe that we're living in here. Uh, but it's good for the league. I mean, with all the injuries, right, like the superstars going down, um, I do think some of these unexpected uh, surprise storylines are the kind of thing that, that have given the season a little bit more meaning. And uh, the New York one is, is just a huge thing, and you know that, that everybody uh, in the league office in New York is ecstatic about it because the league is better off when the Knicks are not a complete wreck. Um, so it, it's been fun to see. You mentioned the injuries. Uh, how concerned should Nets fans be that uh, James Harden's not going to be right when they need him? Uh, I'd be I'd be worried. I mean, at this point, you've got like this 
complete season of just fits and starts with their group and no consistency on the roster. And, you know, whether it was COVID protocol, injuries, and Durant, or personal reasons, Kyrie being out for a while, you know, the, the, the three, you know, all three of those stars, these guys that found a way to play together, um, it, it's disappointing. You know what I mean? Because I'm the sucker for, all right, fine, if, if you all-stars want to go play together, I, one of my favorite things in this job is, like, let's watch closely and analyze and figure out the human dynamic and watch you on the court and see if you're willing to sacrifice, you know, shots and time and, and uh, you know, and, and you know, sharing the ball, all those things. And there's been none of that, like none. They played together for seven games, so I guess not none. There's been seven games. But, it's uh, it, you know, it's just the, the storyline that we thought was going to be top of mind all year long has just been non-existent. So with Harden, hamstrings are always very touchy because even when you're back, you don't really know if you're all the way back. Ironically, since I was uh, writing about Chris Paul this week, uh, you know, Chris, you guys remember during the Rockets years, hamstrings were a real problem for him. And so you come back and it's the playoffs and you might have two good games. And the next thing you know, you, you know, you pull up lame and you're out for four more games. So I would definitely be worried if I was Brooklyn. Sam, I've asked you about this before, uh, but uh, it's, it's a stat that I keep or a number I keep an eye on every year in order to judge the worthiness of these teams, and that's the record on the road. Now, this year's <clears> was a little different because you don't have all these full arenas with people screaming at you, but there are some elements of, of that are challenging for teams when they go out on the road. And we mentioned the Knicks. Well, they're 13 and 17 on the road as opposed to being 20 and 10 at home. But you look at like the Suns as we were talking about, and they they have a nineteen and seven road record. The Jazz are eighteen and twelve. Uh, does that mean as much this year, given the fact that they're the fan? Uh, well, there are some fans there, but not as many. I don't know what it means. I'm certainly not going to take anything away from teams for road games, but but not because I mean the fan component. I would argue that. You know, you talk to people in the league and who have played at the highest level, they do seem to believe that lack of fans will sometimes allow players who simply don't have the same kind of poise to to play better. You know what I mean? And I know players don't want to hear that, but you know, I think there could be some truth to that. The part where I wouldn't want to take anything away from them is that, as you guys know, when, when these teams are hitting the road – it's just not a fun experience. You know, you, you're, you're mostly locked up in your hotel room, at least you're supposed to be, as we unfortunately saw this week with the Rockets and that terrible situation. You know, guys are, are still getting out when they shouldn't be. Um, but there's a lot of restrictions, and it's just not a comfortable existence. So, you know, to go from that and be basically trying to kill time while you wait for the game, being away from home, and just having it be such a, an out of sorts thing compared to what they're normally used to, I think is uh, is challenging. But you know, there's there's no way that it's apple to apple in terms of comparing it to road games normally. Obviously, Sam, thank you very much for jumping on with us as always. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you, Sam. The great Sam Amick writes for the Athletic and joins us each and every Thursday here on the Big Show. You know, as far as that last answer goes uh, that Sam was talking about, the road wins and the effect, I wonder, do you think that last year's bubble 
uh, changed the way the playoffs went because of the the weirdness of it, the the the, the not home in a way and that sort of thing. Yes. Do you think that changed Big the time. outcome? Yep. I mean, but the Lakers won it all, and that's what you would have expected, kind of, right? Not necessarily, no. I, I uh, think that I, well, the Jazz season was wonky because, or the Jazz series was wonky because of it. I think the Denver Clippers series wouldn't have gone that way if it wasn't uh, for the unique situation. How do you expl- explain Miami running roughshod over the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I mean, you remember yeah. that, Gordon? It wasn't just that they were winning. They were decimating teams and good teams at that. I mean, I think the unique environment of it, I think the no home road, I think the no fans, I think the... You know, I even think the camaraderie of the accommodations probably played into it a little bit. You know, everybody's there kind of living communally, and it's not, you know, you're, you're kind of together all the time. You see opponents after the game. Like, I don't know how all these things wouldn't have uh, come into play. I'm not as certain as of that as you are, uh, but, but I, I do think it did have some effect. I don't know whether it altered complete outcomes but uh uh i don't know how it could not of if you believe in home court advantage and that doesn't exist by that nature how could you say it didn't affect something yeah i i I don't i don't know whether it would have changed say the series that the the jazz and the nuggets played just the whole concept of having it on a neutral site changes everything I think. Yeah, but but the Nuggets were favored in that series to begin with, and they won it. So I mean, you know, I don't know if one exactly means the other, but yeah. And the Jazz uh, had them well, down three-one, and and are you telling me they would have, uh, you know, the the being at home wouldn't have helped them hold on to that lead? But I'm not sure if you're going to go by your logic that they would have had the three-one lead. Maybe otherwise. not. Maybe not. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And there was so much fluky stuff that happened. I don't know how you couldn't say that that environment didn't have an effect on it. <laughs> well, I like the way Sam said that about these these road trips are not easy. They're not, and they're not pleasant experiences. It sounds like these guys being holed up the way they are, at least theoretically, and that's different than it is. Sometimes guys can go out on the road in a normal year and have some fun, but uh, this time around seems like it's challenging not because the fans are there but for other reasons i think the fans come into play too i really do yeah still test your fortitude though like sam was talking about so and i don't i honestly don't think any defense was played in the bubble if teams were actually playing defense would the the outcome have been different certainly well yeah but why would the defense not be existent because of a location well, you can look for the why all you want. I mean, I'll I'll point to several facts that said no one was playing defense. Let's start with the fact that Donovan Mitchell did something in a series that only, what, four other people had done in history, and Jamal Murray did the same thing in the same series? What are the odds so, of that? So you don't think that would have happened if they'd been playing as Norm? 100% yes. That No way that happens. So how many points would he have gotten? Well, I- Ten? I don't know, Gordon. It wouldn't have been that. They wouldn't have done that. And how many times? Wait, NBA... wait, wait, wait. You're so certain that Donovan wouldn't have scored fifty. Uh, how many would he have scored? Do, would both of them have done that? That's never happened before, Gordon. Yeah, and, and and how often in NBA history have teams come back from three-one uh, deficits in series? And the Nuggets do it twice in a row. What are the odds of that? I mean, you can't tell me that there aren't. 
unique circumstances that are coming into play to make that stuff happen. But now you're saying just because something happened that the reason it happened was because of this. Correct. I, I'm not sure you can do that. Why not? Accurately. Why not? Because is it a cause and effect? Yes. I mean, if you, you're more sure of that than I am. How could it not be? It's a completely different circumstance than any other playoffs that have ever been played, and you don't think that has any effect on what happens? Well, I know, but I can't look at a series that the Jazz were up 3-1 and they lost by losing three straight games. That that, that I'm not sure that I, I'm attributing that solely to the bubble. But to have it happen twice in a row and have all the weird things that happened that happened in the bubble? Come on. Uh, that would have that, happened that's in like, a that's normal like having, that's, like, that's like the patient going in to see the doctor, and he has some, something diagnosed, and they said, well, it was because of this. Well, not necessarily. There's all kinds of factors that come into play. That's all. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you might not be right. Well, I mean, it'd be like having a surgery outside in the woods instead of at a hospital. And then when you woke up the next day and say, why do I have pine needles in my side? I I, I they're like, well, we weren't in a hospital. We were in the woods. I, I don't think that's a good analogy. You know, because well, this isn't normally where we do this. So, of course, there's going to be some weird things that go on. Oh, my gosh. All right. More straight ahead. It's the big show. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.